Hey guys, welcome to WDWNT Nerd Alert. I'm your host, Joe Hogarty, and joining me tonight is Jack McCarthy. Howdy, folks. And Fedra Ekris is not here tonight, but she'll be probably joining us next week. Um, so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to go over some news, and I know that Jack and I have seen a couple of things, and... I've seen Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny. Jack has seen Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, right? Finally. <laughs> Did you see any of um, Secret Invasion? I caught the first episode. All right, so we'll kind of go over I that. think the second episode came out yesterday. yesterday? Yep. Or was it? T- I'm not sure if it's on uh, Wednesdays or Thursdays. I'm boycotting the, the series just because <clears throat> I don't want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I'm not interested in it. No, but we'll I, get into it. Okay. I guess I should start. All right. Yeah, I think you've got the, you've got the biggest news. Yeah, yeah. So I saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, and I am so pissed off. Oh my god! I did you ever have the, ever do this thing like when you're so mad that you just start biting your lip until it hurts? I, I've been doing that ever since I left. The movie theater. Oh <laughs> I just, so I just felt like punching something, you know. I was so angry, and uh, it's sad because like the first twenty to forty minutes is actually a really good movie. It's uh, the first twenty minutes is like the de aging. Indiana Jones takes place during World War Two. I don't think I'm giving too much away, um, but like they're going after another holy relic that Hitler wants to use. Like they're going after the. Uh, the spear that pierced Christ while he was on the cross. And oh, the, uh, the spear of destiny. I, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. And, uh, they think that that's going to help them win the war, which I think is cool. I like when they, they do that, you know, cause this is like the third time. Right? <laughs> These are going after a Holy relic. Right. Well, I mean, the Nazis were scouring Europe and heck everywhere for anything they could find because you know, they were very much into, uh, not that they believed in the relics, but they believed there was power in those items. And uh, they did. They kind of went a little nuts going on treasure hunts for all that stuff. I, I didn't realize that was true. I thought that was just uh-huh. made up. That's interesting. But... The the aging is pretty cool. I actually enjoyed that part. I would have loved to seen like a ninety minute episode, a movie of just Harrison Ford de aged as Indiana Jones. It works pretty well. There's a couple of flaws. I would say you can notice when it's CGI when he's wearing a, a Nazi helmet because sometimes he disguises himself as a Nazi and he puts a helmet on. You know, like one of those. You know what they look like. And but like when he has his regular hat on, he looks pretty cool. When he just has his hair, they should have just done it with that because it looks strikingly very well done. I I I was really impressed with the de aging process. There's a problem. They they keep getting better and better at it. Yeah, but also special effects (laughs) keep getting worse and worse (laughs) for some reason. Okay. (laughs) Well, you 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 didn't see the flash, so. uh, you know, you'd have to, you'd understand it if you saw that. Um, 
Well, they, they've come in, uh, come out with a uh, in-story explanation for that. Yeah, it's BS. Yeah, I know. But they just gave them several million dollars in the budget, digital budget, I guess. Yeah, or it was just a dumb decision. If they intentionally did it, that makes it even worse. But <laughs> yeah, that, that's just them. Um, the only problem I had with it was uh, his the aging part. Sometimes you could tell it wasn't his youthful voice like they took his i'm sure they took harrison ford's voice and they de-aged that a bit um and sometimes it works very well and then other times it just doesn't you know like you can kind of tell yeah something's not right here but it's a i would give it an a a solid a for the de-aging process and it felt like this is the movie i wanted to see you know like where indiana jones is back in world war ii He's fighting the Nazis. You know, he's going after the relic. Uh, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's not the best story, you know, because there's some stupid things happen along in that. But it, it was fun. You know, I, I, I would love to see just them do that with Indiana Jones. And then we have the problem. So we, we at the get, 20 to 40 minute mark. Yeah, it's modern times and it's old Indiana Jones and he's a loser. You know, he's retiring from teaching at school. He lives in New York City. Um, he's a cranky old man. Like, he lives in this in these New York City apartments, and these kids are playing loud music, and he has a baseball bat banging on the door. It's like, lower that music! You know, <laughs> I mean, that's what he's become. He sits in his recliner. He basically doesn't have a life. Watches He was watching H.R. Puffin stuff, which I thought was kind of funny. Okay. And uh, he's just a miserable old sod. And, you know, it's, uh, you don't want to see him like that. Um, you know, you, it just bothered me because I hate to say it, he's too old to play Indiana Jones. Like he was, he was pushing it in the, crystal skull but i still accepted him as indiana jones i felt like the best part of that movie was his performance because it still made me smile when i saw the crystal skull seeing harrison ford backs indiana jones he's just too old i mean i he needs he doesn't have one but he should have a walker you know well he, he he's up there and but you know what they should have written the story accordingly they did but it just <clears throat> Well, it, it isn't right. Turning you know, anything out of Jones into a cranky old man living in a New York apartment, you know. It's kind of like uh, having a horse, you know, that's won the Kentucky Derby. Like, it's like, let's bring him back for just one more race. And he croaks on the track, you know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, what, what bothered me, too, is like when he has his hat off. It's his hair's not great. It's white. Like it, it looks so old. I'm like, oh please well, put that. It was kind of, it was kind of going more towards white in uh the sec in the pre in the sequel. Oh, not trope. this bad. Not this bad. Like it, I mean, it looks well, like I haven't seen it yet, so I can't say what. It looks like he saw a ghost. You know, like it's just like white, white, white hair. You know, like Santa Claus hair, and um. You know, like, no, it, it just, I don't know how old he was in the Crystal Skull. Probably at least 10 years younger. 
and he, he still had a physique. Oh, that's another thing. He, he's got his shirt off in the beginning of the movie and he's got an old man body. You know, it's, it's just like there are things we don't want to see with Indiana Jones, you know, and that's one of them. It's like you it's almost like you don't want to see your heroes die. And I felt like this is what that movie did. It's like they brought him back where they should have just left, left, let him rest in peace in a way. Because I think even though people didn't like the Crystal Skull, it had a decent ending. You know, him and Marion got married. He picked yeah, up. It did, it did end on a high note for him. Yeah. But this, oh god! And then, uh, you know, he he is bad. Like that, there are times like when he's like <laughs> this truck shows up and kidnaps this kid that he's friends with and he's got his leather jacket and his whip and his hat and the truck takes <laughs> goes up a hill and he starts running and i'm like oh he's never gonna make it. he's just gonna die i mean there is no way he could chase that truck like he did in raiders of the lost ark you know and he attempts it and you know they don't even joke about it i mean every now and then he'll say and he goes, ah, i don't know what i'm doing this, you know, I should be home in my chair. I'm oh, getting my, too old for this. Yeah, my back hurts, my neck hurts, like, you know, and he'll say that. And, uh, but it's just, it just, just, just doesn't feel right to see him like that. You know, it's, uh, it's like seeing a fat Batman, you know, like with his stomach hanging out over his tights. You can see his belly button. Um, it, it's just so sad. It, it made me really pissed off. It's and what pissed me off even more is that he was like basically he was a secondary character in his own movie. It was her movie. It was Phoebe Waller Bridge's movie. She basically came in there to replace him. Everything Overlord said, I think, is true. I think that because you could see in this movie they were heading that that direction that she was going to replace him as new, new Indiana Jones. Um like Disney denies it, but I don't trust them. They did do reshoots, and like we discussed this, like where James Mangold said, "No, no, we didn't do any reshoots." Even though John Williams and Harrison Ford said that they did do reshoots, you know, they did reshoots because it's. Uh, I mean, from what I heard from Overlord is that he said that apparently this is Kathleen Kennedy's last chance, and that if. Um, if this movie doesn't make a profit, she's gone. And he had seen the ending. There were five endings and they all have it, you know, where Indy dies and she takes over and she stays in the past, puts on his hat, his leather jacket and the bullwhip. And she, we see her doing scenes from Raiders of Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade. But we don't see that in this movie. Thank God. They apparently had changed that. I, if that's true. We don't see that, you know, but it's still, it, it's there. It's there. She's smarter than him. She's younger than him. Um, she can, she's stronger than him. She punches like Mike Tyson, <laughs> you know, it's like, they'll be in like a, a bunch of like guys at, in a bar and they're all going to attack her. And they're not like fat beer guzzling guys. They're like in really good shape. They're terrorists basically. And she just clocks them one at a time and they go down for the count. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, they, they are literally one person is out for days 
from one of her punches. It's <laughs> and it's just a BS thing where they're like, "All right, this is what we're going to do." And I'm sure it was Kathleen Kennedy. It's like you know we need to push women more in Star Wars and in Indiana Jones. So what we're going to do, we'll kill off Indy and we'll bring in Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She'll be the new Indiana Jones. We'll give her own series on Disney Plus, which I did hear they were going to do. Um, But we have to make sure we have to show that she is the rightful heir apparent for him. We have to show that she's just as smart, if not smarter, that she's two steps ahead of everybody, which she is. She is completely, you know, Indy might not get something right away where she'll get it before him. Um, she, she is constantly rescuing him. You know, like he is, I think he might rescue her once, but she is basically there to rescue him. You know, he's tied up. He's in a plane. She's on some motorcycle chasing the plane. She jumps off the motorcycle, grabs onto the wheel of the plane as it's taking off. (laughs) Uh, It's like, you got to be kidding me. It's just so obvious that that's what they were going for, that they wanted to replace Harrison Ford with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And Iger probably said, nope, they're going to just start burning down. They're going to burn down the studios. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, if that ever happens. And it's just, it just pissed me off like so much because it was just so obvious that, you know, that Kennedy's like, all right, fine. We're all set. She's going to be the new Indiana Jones. She's going to take the hat. You know, Harrison Ford will be dead, you know, and we'll pay him off and all that. And then we'll make a bunch of Indiana Jones we'll movies starring. <laughs> yeah. they, you know what? After seeing this movie, I don't think he's got much left. I honestly don't. I I am sure that someone is going to spot him one day in a Walmart in one of those motorized carts because I just don't think he's got it in him anymore. I can't believe he's going to be the Red Hulk. <laughs> you know, I just don't buy that. You, go, I want you to see this movie just to see how old he looks in this movie. No, I mean, even though he's sort of Curmudgingly, um, like was it Will, William Hurt? He looked like Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah, he did. He did. He looked like looked like him. Harrison Ford doesn't look that way, and even when you've seen him in military movies and stuff, he doesn't have that general look to him. It's weird. I, I've seen pictures of the set. I don't even think he's got a mustache. And Thunderbolt Rolls need, needs the mustache. But, I mean, it's just... He he doesn't... He doesn't play that kind of character. You know, and that's not saying, you know, he's not talented or anything. He just doesn't play that kind of character. And uh, I don't know how he's going to do as a replacement for... Uh, for her. I think that movie's going to be a mess. Well, I hear it's leading into a World War Hulk. Um, it's. Or well, we know, Hulk. Now they have the Hulk rights back. Yeah. 
it's I I don't think it. Well, that's another. We can always talk about that. I think we did talk about that where it was Captain America four was something else, and now they changed it where it's basically a Hulk movie. Um, I hope. Yeah. Captain but, America gets his ass beat because there's no way he's going to be able. That would piss me off too to see, you know, Falcon Captain America beat the crap out of the Hulk. You know. Well, I I remember they had an issue where uh, they were worried the Hulk was going to do something, so they sent Captain America there because, you know. No one wants to fight Captain America. He's the symbol of good. Which one, uh, the Falcon or Steve Rogers? Uh, Steve Rogers. Yeah, no, I I know. And um, and it was funny because the Hulk was like, you know, Cap, I can't fight you. You know, he's like, but you got to get out of the way. So like, he goes, he goes and move Captain America, and like. Cap uses some judo move using the Hulk's momentum against them. <laughs> you know, and the Hulk falls over. He trips him basically. Um, and then he try the Hulk tries to like, okay, very funny. Now you gotta move. And he does something and and Cap puts him on the floor or something. So it goes on for a couple a little bit, but it's the whole thing of, you know, Cap's just avoiding the Hulk, using his weight against him, you know, using judo um, until the Hulk finally gets a hold of him. And then the Hulk is like, all right, you got to stay in one place. So it like guides up Captain America in a telephone, in a uh, light, light pole. <laughs> he just, he just breaks it off at on off from the sidewalk and just like, Wraps him in this me in a metal bow, so this way Captain America stays out of his way, and he doesn't hurt him. But I mean, it was just a funny scene because, you know, seeing Captain America knock the Hulk on his ass a few times. You know, that reminds me of the the scene in uh, Avengers: Earth Mightiest Heroes <laughs> when they were all playing cards and the Fantastic Four were over, <laughs> and I think the Skrulls attacked them or somebody attacked the the mansion and uh, the Hulk uses the thing as a club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Grabs him by his feet. He's like, Hey, what's going on? <laughs> not, not, not the finest uh, moment for bashful Benji. Yeah. Uh, but, so anyway, so I think, you know, what was good too. The villains were pretty good. It had that Mads Milkison was he, he's, he's really good. Um, the thing is, I, I think he, I think he's already gotten put into that, you know, villain role. Oh yeah. You know, a, like that's it. You're okay. <clears throat> Mad. You're the villain, but I don't want to be the villain. I want to be the good guy. No, you just work as a villain. You know, I was going to say he was a villain in star Wars, but he actually was a good guy. Um, but he was a villain in uh, James Bond. In James Bond, wasn't he also in uh, Hannibal? He was in Hannibal. Wasn't he in one of the Fantastic Beast movies too? I think so. I 
I only saw the first one. I think he was in the first one, and they replaced him with the Johnny Depp. Was that the same? Well, I don't know because that no, <laughs> I don't think so because that was Voldemort. Um, but I do remember him being in one of the movies. I you know, but it wasn't very memorable. He's he's a good actor, but like you said, he's he's a one trick pony. Plays villain. He's he's very good at it, and uh, and he's really good at it. Well, that's the whole thing, the Dial of Destiny, which they show in the trailers. It's, you know, they want to go back in time and use it in World War II to, quote, unquote, quote, save Hitler or, you know, win the war this time. And uh, and, and just the time travel thing is, is probably one of the worst time travel things I've ever seen. Just like the effects and the way that they did it. And it's sad because this movie has been delayed for a long time. It was. It was. And you would think with all that time that they would perfect the script. It's like this script's got to be perfect. We want to go on on such a high note, you know, for this movie. And it it just feels so lazy. And that the only reason why they did this movie was to bring in Phoebe Waller-Bridge to replace him. And there's even like a short round character that's, she's with you know it's like i don't know if he was hispanic or you know but and he's perfect that's her problem she's perfect she's perfect in everything like any indy can't figure out like the hieroglyphics for something she can you know um she like i said she's always one or two steps ahead away from everybody you know like she she knows like she she'll switch sides she'll be a good person and a bad person and a good person again. It, it's just so damn annoying. But I mean, how is she though? I mean, like uh, everybody was raving about uh flea bag. So I tried to watch it. Me too. I couldn't get into I, it. I, I couldn't take it. I didn't like her. You know, not only did I not like the character, I didn't like her. I I don't know if she has just. She well, I think seem likable. That's the whole thing. She's not likable in this movie, and that's a big problem. And neither is Indy. You know, it's but she's even, you know, more unlikable than Indy, and. If you're gonna have somebody replace him, you gotta they gotta be likable and you gotta make it like where he's her mentor and where he's a little like what they did with Thor, Love and Thunder, when they brought in Jane Forrester Thor, even though like she was Thor, she still saw him do things like, Well, I can't do that, you know? Like uh she realized that, you know, I'm Thor, but I'm not that Thor, you know. You never yeah. see that. And, and they had some funny things where she was, I don't think you could say Jane Foster was, uh, as you say, a Mary Sue. She wasn't. No, that's because why I liked her. She she did things and then they didn't work like, you know, uh, you know, when she's like, let's bring him the rainbow, you know, <laughs> and he goes off. And meanwhile, uh, Valkyrie and Thor are like, yeah, she's really got to work on these catchphrases. And then she comes back and she's like, where are we supposed to go? You know, at least she had her moments like that. 
you know, like she wasn't automatically smarter than Thor and a better Thor than Thor. Yeah, you, you have to see the movie. I would definitely recommend it just to see the first 20 minutes of it and then leave, you know. And then leave? <laughs> yeah, you might leave with a smile on your face because I think the longer you stay, the more disappointed. And it's funny because I Dan had messaged me and he saw it yesterday and he said, I didn't think it was that bad as everybody was making it out to be. And so he said he gave it a seven. And for the first 40 minutes, I was like, you know what? I'm glad I'm going to disagree with Dan. I'm going to give this an eight. And she was even <laughs> in the movie at that point. But then as like, it starts going on, I was like, all right, it's a seven. Now it's a six. It's a four. Now it's like, I skipped five and went right to four. You know, it's like, it just gets that bad where it's, it's just pushing in your face that the agenda that they love to push in your face, not only are women equal to men, they're better than men, you know, and they've been held back because of sexism. But if you gave them a chance, you know, they, they would be the perfect person, the perfect hero in, in a movie. And again, you know, I'm not slagging off women. There are, there are times when there are women hero that work, like Ripley, uh, you know. And, and Hamilton and the Terminator. Yeah. And the, the bride, yeah, Kill Bill. Psycho. You know, Wonder Woman. It, it's like but not everybody has to be at the level of Indiana Jones and beyond Indiana. Again, it's like his, if this is his farewell swan song, make him look good. <laughs> you know, it's like, make him so like, we're going to miss him. Don't make it like, well, you don't work. You're not going to miss him Cause we got somebody better. But, and again, that's Kathleen Kennedy. I'm sure talking. It's like, you know, because look how good she is. And she's going to be a really good. You think in, you know, Harrison Ford was a good Indiana Jones? Wait till you see her and the new adventures that we're going to make for her. And uh, you could just see that that's what the plan was. And it just bothers the hell out of me. She's got to be fired. I mean, I, I hope she's fired within the next couple of months after this disaster. I don't think it's going to do well in the movies. I think a lot of people are going to be pissed off. I, I, I wonder. I wonder if you talk to Dan in a few days from now, if after he's seen it and digested it, he's going to change his rating. I don't know if we had done a roundtable. You you hated like Rise of Skywalker right off the bat. I saw it and I'm like, oh, I wasn't that bad. There were some good things in there, and then thinking about it. And it, re-watching it, like now, like you were saying, you were sitting there feeling mad. Now it's like when I watch Rise of Skywalker, I really start to get pissed off sometimes because it's yeah. so inane and stupid at times and doesn't make any sense. I'm like, how did they greenlight this script? You know, I mean... Like I said, I wonder if Dan, after thinking about this, is going to come away feeling like that. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I would if it comes on Disney Plus, I'll watch the first twenty minutes again for sure. Um, and I'll probably watch a little bit more and then eventually turn it off because I'll just be so pissed off. 
Because like I said, I mean, not only is I, I'll have to talk to you more after this is over because I can't say certain things, but uh, it, it's just. Hmm. All so right, let's give it a four. Uh, I'm probably I'm going to write the review for it. I don't want people bombing my house, so I'll probably give it a higher number. Uh, my review probably a six, but I would say that's eh, probably about a five, you know. Maybe less, but nothing higher than a five for sure. And, and I will say, I, I do think it's the worst Indiana Jones movie. Because uh, I, I was always sitting there. I kept like thinking, I was like, I, what did I hate about the Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull? The monkeys. Is anything in this movie worse than the monkeys? Yes. There is stuff that's worse than the monkeys. Worse than the fridge? <laughs> yeah, the refrigerator. Yes. There's stuff that's worse than the refrigerator. You know, and I, I kept thinking about that throughout the movie, and I was like, that's another one. That's another one. It's like, no, this is worse because the ending is worse. Because, again, he's just an, a decrepit old man that it does not look like he's got much life left in him. And, you know, and I don't want to give away the ending and the things that he does. I want to, but I won't be, you know, in case people are going to see it, but oh my God. I, I, it's sad to see him go out that way. I'll tell you. Are you going to see it? Yeah, I'm going to see it. Uh, All right. I guess I won't tell you then. Don't tell me. I'll, I'll, I'll see it for myself. And Well, no, when you see it, we'll discuss it, but you'll know what I'm talking about. You know, um, <laughs> it's right towards the end and, it's just so sad. All right, let's 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 get into something a little lighter and hopefully a little more pleasant. So you've seen Spider-Verse uh, across yes. the Spider-Verse. Is it across Spider-Verse? So what would you think? I really liked it. Um, really? I, I didn't think the story was as strong as the first one, but I liked it. And... Um, I really like Spider Gwen. Yeah, I do too. I especially I, like the beginning. Just a, she's a fun character. Um, just because of the way she is, and like, once again, she comes across. She's a likable character. Like the way she talks, the way she interacts with people. Yeah. You know, you could see her like being friends with miles like you know? like the first 20 minutes i had a huge smile on my face i was like i'm okay if this is just spider gwen the movie you know yeah it, i mean she was really good um the kid who played miles boys to miles is that the same guy from the first one yeah and he's an like adult. his voice has changed quite a bit yeah, he he's an adult. Like he's, I would say, like late twenties. But he sounds much older than he did from the first one. I don't know about that. In the first, I, and he, his first one isn't that long ago. Mm. Um, but yeah, I I really liked it, and I liked how, um, and we talked about this offline about how the multiverse you know they've got to start doing something more interesting with it um and i liked how they introduced the whole angle of a um 
Oh, what do they call it? An event. Anomaly? Not an anomaly. Like a crisis point. A... Like every Spider-Man has to lose someone he cares about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What do they call That's... it? A, a uh, continuity point. Um, I liked how they introduced that where no matter how strange the multiverse gets, um, there has to be these certain points and events that happen uh, in each reality. And when those do not happen, bad things really happen. So, I mean, I liked them introducing that point because that goes a lot more into the whole sense of... Um, Kang breaking things like they sort of alluded to in Loki and Quantumania that, you know, Kang could go and he could just by hitting one of these continuity events, he could disrupt the whole timeline just by altering that one pivotal point and how they have to protect the Spider-Men are protecting those points in all the realities for all the different Spider-Men. And um, I thought that was that was a very interesting aspect to add into the whole mer uh, multiverse. And like, holy mackerel, I can't... Even though a character may appear on, on screen for a second, like, I was surprised how many Spider-Men I recognized. Like, well, I would, I'd figure you'd recognize more than me. Well, I mean, not only from the comic books, but like every animated version mm. of Spider-Man was there somehow. Even the terrible ones, like from uh, like the mid-90s, like when they had Spider-Man on Counter-Earth. And, he, you know, he was drawn a different way where he's mostly black, but a red outline around him um, versus the spectacular Spider-Man versus the amazing Spider-Man versus Spider-Man and his friends versus like all those different guys. They may have been on screen for just a second swinging by, but you're like, Hey, that's such and such. Yeah. You know, Lego, Lego Spider-Man. There's Lego Spider-Man and Lego universe was in there. Like it was just fun watching that. And like I said, I was really having a good time with that scene where they're all chasing him. And I'm not spoiling anything because they show that in the trailers. Well, plus you're not spoiling anything. It's been out for almost a month. So yeah, it's almost we're, been out for a month. So we're but allowed to talk. I about still find it now that I still find it extremely funny. It's been out for a month and last week it beat out the flash and elemental elemental like holy smoke. It's like whatever argument that, Warner Brothers or Disney gives. First, it was Mario that slapped them in the face and showed them it was wrong, that people will go to the movies to see it if it's something they like. And um, they got it from Mario. Now they got it from Spider-Man. Yeah, it made a half a billion dollars, I think, last week. It's it's getting close to $600 million, So Yeah, but yeah. It, it, was, it was really fun, and I enjoyed it. And... I got to say the ending, uh, I'm glad you told me it was a part one because I had no idea it was a part one, a two-part uh, 
movies. Um, but it ended, and like some people were like, I can't believe it just ended like that. How could it? Like when it ended, I was like, Yeah, I can't wait for part two. It's gonna you be know? a long time. They, yeah, I read a story. I, 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 they're delaying it for some reason. I forget what it was. I don't know if it has to do with the writer's strike, or whatever. Could be, but could be the writer's strike and the actor strike coming up right after it. Yeah, it's not gonna come out until 2025. Yeah, but like um, I said, it ended on a note where I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I, I want to see the next part. Hurry up. So, yeah, I thought it was great. So, everybody, forget the Flash. Forget Elementals. Sounds like forget Indiana Jones. Just go see Spider-Verse again. I did see it a second time, and I enjoyed it better the second time because, you know, it, what's good about Spider-Verse and a lot of other movies like this is, like, you know, after you've seen it, you know what is going on, and you can look for certain things when you're watching it the second time that you may have missed the first time, and you're more relaxed too. So, like, you know, it's I sometimes like miss a lot of things because there's so many things being thrown at you, and and this is so well written this story that you can lose a lot you know and, and i did the first time and it's a good movie i think it's a little bit too long though i would have trimmed it back a little uh bit. you know I, I remember you saying that but watching it i i didn't feel it i didn't feel the length but you know what else i also enjoyed um and since it's an animated movie it's this is kind of a weird thing to say the camera angles i liked how like miles and gwen could be walking you know, and then, you know, it looks like they're walking normally and then they pull back, you know, and they're walking upside down on the underside of a ledge on a skyscraper. You know, yeah, no, I, that was that was a cool. Angle, I, yeah. I, they did stuff like that, which I thought was interesting. That gave this a different look a lot of times, aside from numerous different animation styles. Like, I, yeah, you, I don't know if you like that or not. I thought that was kind no, of I did. cool. Um, no, what's nice about it too is like I think we're all getting sick of the multiverse, and uh, they had. It sounds like Deadpool three is going to be a multiverse movie, and so is Invincible season two, which pisses me off. It's like, don't please stop, you know. Yeah, it, it's getting to be a bit much. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's because of No Way Home, that was so successful. Everybody greenlit multiverse. You know, and it's we don't need it anymore because sometimes they work and sometimes they they don't, you know, like and we've seen that. I still think people are overreacting to the flash. I, I think when people when it, it's coming out, I think in two weeks, which is Detroit. amazing that is is going that quickly to uh, H. Well, Max, um, it it's amazing. It's. Warner Brothers is doing exactly what they don't want people to do. They don't want people to wait until it goes on a streaming. And then they're like, let's just dump it there and maybe make a few bucks. Yeah, again, I don't see how that's going to work to their advantage. It's not like people are like, oh, the Flash is on Max. I'm going to subscribe now. Right. But, you know. But I, I think when people do see it, they're going to say, oh, it wasn't that bad. You know, there were some 
good things about it, but I think it's kind of like people love to hate on it now because so many people on social media are hating on it. It's like what they did with Batman v Superman. I watched that the other day, and the more I watch it, the more I like it. It's like, except I don't oh, like Jesse no. Eisenberg. I I just don't like him, but I like Batman. I like Superman in the movie Wonder Woman. You know, uh, no, I like some of the cin- the cinematography, the music. Uh, well, the scenes when Batman and Superman, not Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent, when Batman and Superman are on the screen together, it's watchable. But you have to sit through so much other stuff to get to that point that it kills it for me. Yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, I do this crap all the time. Like when I, like if I write a review for a movie or something like that, I write too much, you know, where it's like all that to probably write three paragraphs. People will read it, realize either this movie is good or it's crap. Thanks, Joe. (laughs) But I'm like, now I'm up to my 10th paragraph. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I think that that's what, Snyder does. It's just like, I have such a, you know, I wanted to tell a four hour story for justice league, but they wouldn't let me, but it's like, we don't need a four hour story for justice league. Uh, You know, just give us all the good things in a nice little package. Just keep it it tight. That's all. You have to keep the storyline type tight. And does this scene move it along or does it slow it down? And that's what I think, honestly, I think that's a lot of the problem with the Disney stuff that we've seen in the last few years. They put scenes in there that just do not move the story forward. And I I forget what, well, we're going to talk about Secret Invasion, but that's what a lot of Secret Invasion felt like. And All right, could, well, okay, we'll wait. No, I'm not going to say we'll get into that now, but I just want to say really quick um, with Spider Verse. Well, what do you what what rating would you give it? Uh, and I think I think the mother's going to die, you know, instead of the father. Uh, well, remember, according to the continuity events, it's someone important in his life, so could be. They swap out the dad as he's trying to save his dad. Something happens to the mom. Um, but I, I don't know. But I know in the in the, you know in the video game they, they don't address it. It's a little it's different. But I think the mother is running for some political office, like either mayor or congressman or a congresswoman. Um, but it doesn't seem like she's like that in that this movie. No, isn't, isn't she a nurse? Yeah, I think she's a nurse. I think um, she was a nurse in the comic too. I want to say, but I don't remember because um, while I loved Ultimate Spider-Man with Peter Parker, uh, Miles, I kind of lost track of after they swapped it over to him. I like the character, and I will. I, I liked his suit in this movie too. You know, like I, I guess, like in the uh, in the Spider Verse one. Well, in Spider Verse one, he when he joined the the crew at the end, didn't he like spray paint like an old Spider-Man costume? And then, but he still had a hoodie, I think. 
And then this one, he doesn't have a hoodie. You know, he's like, you know, all black, he's red got, eyes. He's got his costume. Yeah, I, I love that costume. It's, they, they do really good. I did, I did like the red piping down the side, too. Me, too. <laughs> I, I noticed that, that right away. Cool look. Yeah, I like that. Um, but I, I would give this... Really, I would I would give it about an eight. No, I'm surprised that it was going to be a little higher for you. No, I um, I mean I really I really enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I enjoyed the first one a little bit more, but I really like this one. This was a really good, um, good to watch. So uh, maybe I'll get a a chance to watch it a second time before part two comes out, but. I'm sure you will. Definitely highly recommend it to people. I would say another flaw is it didn't have a strong villain, you know. Um, I wouldn't, I, you know, people, they, I told you this, they make it look like Miguel is the villain, but he's not really, you know, he's kind of like just trying to keep things together. Yeah, he's, he, but he's, he's that manic obsessed guy trying to keep, keep it all together. Um, I don't think that makes him like a pure villain. Like it's not like you want to root for him. It, like you can om- you can o- almost relate to what he's trying to do, but um, well, because it happened know. to him, you know. Well, it already happened to him. He's yeah. seen what happens if the continuity point is broken and not repaired. So even though he's trying to stop Miles, you know, he's trying to do it for Miles own good even though it's kind of a tough thing to say you know uh sorry for your existence to stay together you know we have to like you have to lose a parent you know that's kind of rough but you don't get yeah you kind of don't get it but like i said you do have the spot but he's barely a villain huh he's barely a villain but that was that use of his powers. That was re- I thought that was really clever. How you know um, he's using his spots as interdimensional doorways. So like, you know, Miles kicks himself in the head, and you know, yeah, yeah, he you know shoots webbing, and the spot redirects it to go back at him, like. And the whole thing, he's like, I'm your super, I'm your super nemesis. And Miles is like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> like, it, it was just that back and forth between them was very Spider-Man-ish. You know, that was like right out of the comic book. Yeah, I, I think I gave it an 8.5. And a lot of us do because the story was so well written. When you yeah. compare... Oh, so you know what? I'll go seen. up to 8.5. I'll go up that far. Okay. I, like I said, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. And I would recommend that movie over a lot of stuff I've seen in the last year. Even when he's I like it with, better than Guardians of the Galaxy. Me too. Even when he's talking with his family, like on the roof, it's like, I, I can't believe I'm watching an animated movie. You know, it, it just seems like it's a real dramatic movie, you know, it's yeah, just a compliment. The animation was good. Like the characters all had expressions. 
the voice acting was very good. Like you, you really bought, like you said, you almost get pulled out of the fact it's an animated movie. You could see this acted by live actors, you know, because the characters emote well in their features and the voice acting. And they do, they did a very good job on it. Yay. <laughs> All right, we've had one good thing to say. Do we have another good thing to say about uh, the next thing you're going to talk about? What are we going to talk about? What's next up on the hit parade? Secret Invasion. Okay, now we're swinging back the other way. <laughs> um, well, no. Secret Invasion has gotten a lot of hate um, online. And I think it's probably due to the fact it is very slow moving. It really is. Um, the first episode, <laughs> I hate to say it. It took me three times to get through the first. Oh, episode. geez. I fell asleep twice. Um, because what was going on was just so slow. And like you're saying, Indiana Jones was ashamed to see, you know, Indiana Jones getting old and crotchety and like worn out. We're seeing Nick Fury, old, crotchety. Well, it was always kind of crotchety, but old and worn out. Um, certain things they've done. They got rid of his iconic eye patch. So now he looks in one eye is always kind of like, scarred up and stuff i don't know um, if it's true but chris gore said that he thinks it was samuel jackson that, that was like i don't want to wear the eye patch anymore you know i, I could see that that's a shame that, that like that's something so iconic yeah nick fury even when he was a grouchy old white man um it's just the eye patches is, is iconic um he's walking around he, he looks and moves like he's old. Um, however, they did introduce some interesting characters. Um, Amelia Clark, we didn't see much of her um, in the first episode. I know we're going to see more of her. Uh, but in the first episode, she didn't do a whole heck of a lot. But you kind of see a little bit where there might be going with her. What's her character? Uh, she is uh, Talos's daughter. Oh, okay, so she's a scroll. And she's a scroll, but she's like when the scroll split, um, that Talos and his group wants to stay with Nick Fury, keeping his promise to find a new world. That's that group. The other group is the one that said, well, you know what? Nick Fury hasn't found a world for us yet. Why don't we just take theirs? Hmm. And she's gone over to that side. Does so, it show Nick Fury coming back? Yeah, they have uh, in a very Star Trek moment. Uh, uh -huh. You know, he beams down, um, which I didn't think that technology quite existed. Um well, no, we did see it in Endgame, but but still, um, 
he comes back from being out in space. And like I said, he's aged, obviously. Um, and uh, it's just kind of sad to see him going that route. But they did introduce a couple of interesting characters um, where uh, Talos has, has a nice bigger role to play. Um, and he's also like, even though he doesn't agree with the other group of scrolls, um, he's still making the point that they're his people and he kind of almost has hope to bring them back together um, where he doesn't want any scrolls killed. He doesn't want anybody killed, you know? So he's like, when they meet a scroll, he intercedes and he's like, He's like, nope, don't kill him, don't kill him. You know, even though, you know, Fury still kills them, you know, because Nick, that's Nick Fury. Um, so they've given him that angle. I'm kind of waiting to see because I think he's going to break. Once something happens to his daughter, Amelia Clark, I could see him flipping and going over the edge to wipe out the evil scrolls. Um, they also introduce an English counterpart to Nick Fury. Someone I don't remember from the comics, someone named Sophie. And she's basically, uh, MI6's Nick Fury. So she, she finds out that Nick Fury is in Moscow, you know, and she sends out two agents to pick him up, you know, not in a friendly way. It's, it's literally just throw a bag over his head, drag him into a van and drag him back to MI6 safe house. Um, and she basically tells Nick Fury, like, you're not ready for this. You know, you need to go, into retirement, leave this to younger people, leave this to us, um, that you're going to get yourself hurt, you know, and no one wants to see you hurt. So just kind of get out of the way. So, um, like I said, there's a lot of that in it. Um, also a major character. A lot of people like buys it at the end of the episode. Um, so it, it's, like I said, it, it's kind of, it's very slow. Um, I hope episode two picks up the pace a little bit. Um, because honestly, we don't really need to hear everybody telling Nick Fury how old he is and how he needs to retire and just get out of the way. Oh, it's a lot of that crap in there. there there's, there's a good heavy-handed heavy dose of it. You know, so um, make a good double feature with Indiana Jones five. Kind of. That's, that's that's kind of what I was thinking when you were talking about about it, um, which, you know, either they'll keep him that way or, you know, he'll have that comeback moment where, you know, I'm still the baddest mother beep, around, you know. And he steps up again. But like I said, it's 
He's walking with a limp. He's moving real slow. I can't see him uh, suddenly snapping out of that. Unless he pulls like a Yoda in like in episode two, where Yoda's walking with the cane yeah. and he's doing ninja flips and everything. So who knows? What the hell did he do up in in space? <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless he had muscle degeneration, like supposedly how you know, if astronauts are up there too long, their muscles start to uh, get soft. Maybe. So who knows? But um, I, now, I, I, mean, hope, I hope it picks up. So I mean, you're still on board for episode two. I will give it till episode the end of episode two. Okay. If it puts me to sleep three times like the first episode, um, I'll stop there. Yeah, because like, no, I heard that this got less than a million views the first episode, which was really bad. That's like one of the. Oh, oh another point I have to say um, online, I've read how there's a lot of pushback because the opening credit scene was oh, generated AI. by AI. Um, I have, I don't know what it is, but it's very off putting. Like you can kind of see what they were going for with things merging in and out of green for the scrolls and stuff. Um, but the style that they did it, in, it was done in by this AI system. Um, it's just very off-putting. I don't know what. I can't. I can't put my finger on it. But watching it, it just kind of. You don't feel right watching it. There's there's something something strange about it. I don't know what it is, but. Um, I don't know if it's just because it was literally designed by just plugging images into an algorithm and letting it, the algorithm run into something on its own. Um, but like I said, there's something very off-putting about the opening credits. Yeah, I, I'm not going to click on it because I don't want to give it a view, you know, but... It, it's kind of weird. I, I don't understand. I know a lot of people are really bitching about AI doing a lot of stuff. Like they're, I don't get it. You know, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't bother me as much as I know it bothers like a lot of people. Uh, you know, like when people go overboard, it's like, it's Terminator. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know if it's that, you know, but it's like, there's got to be some good uses for it. You can't say it's like, look how many people are putting out of work. Because um, is it Donald Glover? Is he, he the one that was in Spider-Verse? Oh, yeah. The, him, he even had a cameo in uh, Spider-Verse. That um, was funny. So I think he started a, a company and like he made an announcement that everyone that basically is working from his AI and like they were like cancel him I was like really <laughs> it's like one of those things now that like people are so upset about and I 
I don't know. It just doesn't upset me yet until it affects me, I guess. Well, I don't know. I've read enough enough science fiction that I know AI is bad news, you know. Um, but like I said, watching this, it's just – I wish I can tell you what it is that is just kind of makes you uneasy about it, you know. Yeah. But uh, – it's there. It's, you watch it. It's within the first five minutes of the episode, so you gotta you gotta see it. Yeah, like I, I just wish Disney starts to learn from their mistakes and realizes that they need to be more selective about the programming they put on Disney Plus. Give us something that we want to see, you know, instead of like giving us a lot of quantity. Like again, they they said they were going to do quality over quantity, but right now it's and I I do think it's contributing to the downfall of of some of the Marvel stuff because I the, think it's contributing to a lot of the downfall of the Marvel stuff, and it's um you know it watching I watched some of the interviews that they were doing for Secret Invasion. And the disregard the writer and the director have for the original source material. Like, they really were like, oh, well, you know what? Those were comic books. Um, my, my version is so much better, much more nuanced, and, you know, has a lot more depth than, you know, they're talking about this. And... The thing is, as a comic book reader, I liked the Secret Invasion storyline. I thought it was cool with some of the stuff the Skrulls did with kidnapping superheroes and replacing them, taking their DNA and injecting it into other Skrulls just to see what happens. So you have these crazy combinations of an X-Men Skrull where it's... Cyclops with Colossus's metal body, you know, and that's the scroll. Like they're no, all kind versions of, cool. of like the super scroll, you know, and they're running amok. You know, and the same thing, the scroll that has uh Spider-Man's power, the Spider-Man scroll has all the powers of Spider-Man with scroll powers thrown in. And when you see him fighting somebody else, it's like, you know what? It would really kind of be cool to see uh, Spider-Man fight Daredevil. Well, this gave him an opportunity because one of them is a scroll. So you got to see a Spider-Man versus Daredevil fight. You well, know? Yeah, that's the sad part about it, too, is that they you know, relegated it to TV or Disney plus like they could have done like an, an Avengers trilogy or just a secret invasion trilogy where they use the big names. Like, you know, you could have Chris Evans, Captain America, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, you know, all of like uh, the original Avengers, maybe some of the guardians of the galaxy. And then some of them are scrolls. And for at least one movie, we have no idea who's a scroll. And then the second one, maybe one gets revealed, you know, and we're shocked. Oh my God. I never saw that it was him or her, you know, 
Well, but in the now, comics, that's what they did. Yeah. I mean, it was the Avengers were out fighting the Hand, you know, and the Hand is supposedly led by Elektra. And during the fight, Elektra is killed. And when she falls to the ground, she's a scroll. And, you know, all of a mm. sudden, like, the hand is forgotten about. Ninjas, we can deal with. Why that's is there a scroll? That's a great storyline. And that mm. took it off into another year before Seeker Invasion even started because it was like, who's the scroll and what are they doing here? And it, it was a lot of fun. Now, I know they had to pare it down for Disney Plus, but it's just, like I said, it just so little happens in this first episode that moves the story forward significantly. And I get it's the first episode and you have to introduce characters, but I'm sure there was a better way just to step it up a little. Yeah, I mean, it's just no one is going to care if Nick Fury's a scroll or if War Machine's a scroll or Maria Hill is a scroll because they're not Captain America. They're not Thor. It, Are you, you know, telling me if, if Rhodey was, was discovered to be a scroll and they killed off Don Cheadle and you never have to see him in an MCU again, you wouldn't care? Now nah, he'd be tied to a chair somewhere. I'm sure in the MCU and then they'd have to rescue him or he shows up at the end miraculously walking because the scrolls came up with some sort of chemical that made him be able to get his legs back again. Uh, do we even see that? Like, does he even limp in secret invasion? Or does it he look wasn't like in the first episode? Oh, he's not in the first episode. Okay. And actually, I believe the scene that I heard about online is in the second episode. That's going to just annoy the hell out of me because once again, it does not move the for the story forward. It's this little personal thing that the writer threw in there just to give that social issue a mention, <laughs> but it does not help the storyline of the scrolls taking over earth. So it shouldn't be in there. It should be out. But that's the problem with Disney plus. It doesn't know how to take those little social criticisms or somebody's got a little point. They want to throw in there just to say, I made a point about it. It doesn't help the story. So it doesn't belong there. Go write yourself a book and get it published if you want to make those sort of little yeah, exactly with new characters. Yep. Yeah. But here it is once again. It doesn't move the story forward. We are there to hear about the scroll invasion. We are not there to hear your social commentary. And that I think is the biggest problem that. Disney with the MCU and Star Wars with Lucasfilm has. They don't know how to stop doing that anymore. And and they can't come to the realization that's not working. It, yeah, exactly. They're, they don't realize it's not working. 
and people are not going to see what you're selling. So you, their writer might be very happy because he got to make that little social point. But you know what? Um, that doesn't put money in the shareholders' hands. That exactly. doesn't bring people to put, as he used to say, ass in seat. It doesn't <laughs> and bring again, people. Like, with the, you know, with Iger and the board of directors are like, we had a pretty bad quarter. We're going to have to lay off a lot of people now. <laughs> You know, it's like yeah. when you change your direction and like what you're doing, you know. Yeah, but they don't they don't get it. They're, they're going to keep doing it. Fire that bunch of people, get people in who know how to write for the media, you know, and get editors in who are going to streamline it and keep them on point. But they don't. They're like, hey, you know what? We could get a whole nother episode if we put all leave all these scenes in there. Yeah, but you but uh, you're gonna lose viewers every time you slow the story down and they get bored. Mm. Like look at Lord of the Rings. Only a third of people who started watching it actually finished it because why? Nothing happened. You know, yeah, we made I social commentaries put into middle earth and people got bored and stopped watching it. Yeah. I watched the first two episodes and that was it. Yeah. And now with Disney plus, even, even with the Mandalorian, you know what? Not only are they watching it and losing interest, they are not even starting to watch it. And look at look at the dismal performance of the Mandalorian third season. That's terrible, considering that was their flagship show, and everybody was raving about the first season. Second season, people were still raving about it, and then the third season, like, what the hell happened? So, well, like, like I've said, I don't know if I said it on this show, but I've said it to a lot of people. The Bud Light effect is is a big thing that's happening in America, and it went to Target, and now corporations are scared, you know, and I think we're starting to see that, like with movies, uh, things are starting to change, like where people don't piss off your core audience, you know, because those are the people that spend money, they buy merchandise, you know. Yeah. Once you favor one side that is not as big as the major one, you're going to lose a big portion of your, your income, basically. Anyway, let's move forward. Okay, let's move forward. So we can end this. Let's get, get a happy the topic, Joe. So, good news. I was pretty excited about this. They announced the new Superman and Lois Lane was cast for the James Gunn Superman Legacy movie. It's David Corn Sweat. What a name, Corn Sweat. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. Uh, he should have changed that name. And uh, Rachel Brosnan. And uh, that guy, he looks great as Superman. He definitely has that, like, Clark Kent look. I, I think he looks like a younger Henry Cavill. He does. And... People are online are like, oh, he's too skinny. 
He just needs to get in the gym. They will push him into the gym and he will have an incredible body within six or seven months before they start filming this movie. We got on the chicken and rice diet. Chicken and rice and just hit it's like like they make all the MCU guys take. Yeah, except the only well, not MCU. They no DC. I mean, look what they did to uh to Cavill and Affleck. Yeah. You know, no, they'll get them in shape. Definitely. The only one that didn't follow that diet was Gail Godot. You know, she still looked good as Wonder Woman, but she could have looked a lot better if she would have at least tried to get Uh some muscle. I, I don't know. I think you're one of the few guys on the planet can uh, look at Gal Gadot and say, she needs a little work. Uh, she, needs, no, she has a nice looking face for Wonder Woman, but she's got olive oil arms and legs. Uh, Sorry. Okay. And Rachel Brosnan, I know you had some points about her, but like I, I've watched her on the marvelous miss Maisel. i think she's terrific i think uh, i think you know what i think she's going to bring the spunk that margot kidder had back to lois lane is that on prime yes i'll check it out because i'm it's, curious to see what she's like it's it's funny uh, you know some very quirky characters but she's extremely likable but like i said i could see her lois lane having the same energy as margot kidder had and that's something we've been missing between Superman Returns, the Snyderverse version, even Terry Hatcher. I think I think you're going to see her, and you're going to in action, and you're going you're going to see what I'm saying, Joe. If you watch a little bit of uh, Miss Maisel. All right. So my problem with her, I don't think she's very attractive. And there was another girl that was up for the role, and I thought she would have made a much better Lois. But we've had problems with Lois, for sure. Margot Kidder wasn't very attractive either. And you know how I feel about Amy Adams. My, my favorite was Terry Hatcher, I think. Like you said, she might not have had the spunk, but she was nice to look at. And I think that that's – it's got to be a happy medium where I think that Superman – yeah, she, he's going to fall in love with her for her mind – and for the things that she does, the person that she is, but he's also going to be attracted to her. She's got to be a bit of a stunner, maybe not a super stunner, but something that's going to turn Superman's head. You know, I don't know. I, I think she's very attractive. I think she's well, great. in Mrs. Maisel, um, even though, you know, I disagree. My favorite Lois Lane is still Erica Durant's, but you know, that's just, no, me. no, I didn't like her either. Um, but I mean, like I said, watch some of that and you'll be able to picture her like with what I'm saying, she's going to have that Margot Kidder, Lois Lane emulating off of her. I think she's, I think she's going to do great. I think both of them are going to do great. I, I, I'm like I said, this guy is going to look awesome in the Superman. No. Yeah. It definitely made me happy to, to see. He, he seems like he's he's taking it seriously, um, Gunn. And this guy, too, he made a statement, you know, saying that he loved the Man of Steel movies and he appreciated, you know, the direction that they went into, but he wants his Superman to be lighter and, you know, push a little bit more positivity and fun. And, yep, I mean, but you have to tell James Gunn that, but I think he does know that, you know. 
but I think he knows that. I think yeah. is, looking at the movies we've seen from Gunn, I don't think we're going to get an emo emo Superman again. And it's yeah. a shame because, like I said, Henry Cavill in Justice League. If we got to see that Superman in Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman, I think they would have been much better movies. And again, everybody, you know, rags on Josh Whedon. He was the one that made Superman very happy and light and very glad to be an American. So, you know, but everyone, you know, I see so many people like, oh, he ruined the movie. Not for me. He made Superman or Henry Cavill, the Superman I always wanted to see. I was very happy with his performance. Yeah. So that's cool. I got some bad news for you, though, buddy. I just heard Me? that. Yeah. Uh, Margot Robbie and Adam Driver have passed on the Fantastic Four. Oh. Okay. So. That's too bad. The girl the girl that was is also supposedly up for it, um, after they mentioned her and brought her up, and caught her on the Fast and Furious uh, spinoff, the one with The Rock and Jason Statham. Oh, she was in that? She was in that. Um, and while she's good, I I just don't see her as Sue Storm. Well, she's, she's got a little too much of an edge to her look and her acting. Um, so, yeah, she just, she just doesn't say Sue Storm to me, so... Well, again, we'll see. Uh, I don't we'll think, think anything's definite right now. Is she uh, gorgeous? Yes, but there's you need to more than that just to be Sue Storm. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, we had talked about this texting back and forth, Jack Fedra and uh, me. Angela Bassett is getting a lifetime achievement award at the Oscars next year. Unless. I, you know, once again, it's one of those things where I remember the hate I got when I didn't like the first Black Panther movie. A lot of that was from me. <laughs> oh, that was from you. That was from Taylor. That was from Dan. That was from everyone except Charlie. Um, and I think that's only because of the time difference. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I like Angela Bassett. Nothing against her. I just, I just didn't care for her performance in Wakanda Forever. I didn't. There was so little I liked and enjoyed about that movie. Um, none of it was the material she had to work with. Um, actually, only. Part of that movie that I enjoyed was when uh, T'Challa's ex-girlfriend went down and saved the sister from Atlantis. I think she is a terrific character. I like her. I would love to see more of her. And uh, the the leader of the Dole Major. I don't remember her name. Okay, I never or something. Yeah, I like I like both of those guys girls um but like i said I, I don't think there was any performance in wakanda forever that deserved a nomination much less to win um 
if it is a lifetime achievement award, um, you know what? Why not? She's done a lot of good stuff in her career. Uh, I just don't think Wakanda Forever is is the high point that people talk about with her. I think she's right. done better stuff. I'll I'll say some good things first. First, no, first, I, I'm I'm trying. No, I'm saying no, no. I'm about to say a lot of bad things, you know. But I'm just saying I'm going to say some good things first. First time I saw her was in what What's Love Got to Do with It when she was Tina Turner. She was fantastic. She was robbed. She should have gotten the Oscar for that role. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and she's been good in other things too. She's a good actress. The Wakanda Forever, she did a decent job in it. I liked when she was really handing Okio her ass at that time. I was kind of shocked that they went there, but I liked what she had to say. Um, you know, but it was just, you know, that they killed her off and everything. I think it was like almost in a way to pump up her character. Uh, almost like for as Oscar bait in a way. I will say I saw that stupid movie everywhere, everything all at once. And Jamie Lee Curtis ended up winning the Oscar over her. Uh, I would have given it to Angela Bassett. Jamie Lee Curtis really did nothing. And nobody, everybody in that movie did nothing. That movie. I, 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 have, I haven't seen it. So I, I, I can't say anything I, about it. I think the whole Academy was drugged somehow. And, had to vote for that or they had guns to their heads because that movie sucked. I swear. I still, I, I gave that a zero. I, I've never given a movie a zero. You know what it is? Cause there's, there was just so much hype about that movie and that it was nominated for all those Oscars. You would expect it to be like something really great. And it was just not even mediocre. It was below mediocre was, anyway. But what pissed me off is that, and people made a stink out of it too. She didn't win. Everybody gave Jamie Lee Curtis standing ovation, which they normally do when the actress wins. She sat in her chair. She didn't clap. She just like folded her arms. She didn't smile. She was looking down at the floor. She was a sore loser, you know. And how do they repay her? We'll give you your own Oscar next year. I would not have done that. I, and plus, she's not a senior citizen. She's 64 years old. Yeah, that that's she is kind of young for the lifetime achievement. I'll 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 agree with you on that one. It's Mel Brooks at, Mel Brooks at 93. Is that how old he is? He's definitely in his 90s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I could those those are the guys you give the lifetime achievement award to that are still kicking and still around. Yeah, you give it to people that need people to hold them up on stage when they walk into accept <laughs> the award, if you can walk with that award and walk back to your seat, you can't, you don't deserve a lifetime achievement award yet. She deserves one maybe down the road, but no, it's just like, we're sorry. We should have given it to you last year. We'll give you one now, you know, and we'll make a big stink out of it. Well, they're giving her a different one. It's not like they're giving her an honorary support. It's still an Oscar that they'll still say Oscar winning, actress right and know, like I, said, I don't Angela i Bassett. don't i don't have a problem with her getting a lifetime achievement award aside from the fact that she's still about 10 to 20 years too young um it just it's but just i i have a i i don't agree she should get that award based on her performance in wakanda forever well 
that's the whole thing to try and say it's to encompass her whole career as an actress. But again, you know, she's, it's not like she's not Glenn Close, you know, uh, I'm not Glenn Close. Who is it? Uh, who's the other one? I always get Meryl the- Streep. There you go. Meryl Streep. Hey, she's, she's not Meryl Streep. I mean, she's made some good movies, but it's not like her chatting performances. It's all virtue signaling. And it, it just thinks I, mean, I, I do like her. Yeah. It's just not not in not deserved. Not, not in what they're holding up as her shining performance. Wakanda Forever was not a career shining moment. She's done such better stuff. It, it's like participation trophies. Almost. You know? That's what it almost feels like. She's, yeah. This is her participation trophy because she didn't win supporting actress. Yeah. I will get to this last story because uh, we're, we're getting up there, but I wanted your opinion on this. This came out last week. I still haven't seen it. Disney plus released a documentary on Stan Lee's life. And uh, the day it came out, it was uh, Jack Kirby's son came out and wrote a letter. It was a very well-written letter too, kind of implying that, he felt that Stan Lee took a lot of credit from the artists and other, I guess, creative talents at Marvel and that he didn't necessarily deserve it. Um, and that he had seen that his father created a lot of the characters that Stan Lee took credit for. Um, and it did remind me of Bob Kane and Bill Finger, but, but I think that was a little worse, but you're more familiar with Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko What's your opinion on this? Um, I I think those three guys created the Marvel universe. Um, I I think there was an awful lot of a collaborative effort between the three of them. Well, let me say between Kirby and Stan Lee and Ditko and Stan Lee. Um, however. Um, I think the big issue that came about was in both cases with the men, um, neither of them really liked the limelight. You know, they were artists and they liked, they did their jobs, you know, they handled as a business and let's face it, they were super insightful, talented, inspired to come up with the character designs and the stories because the Marvel methodology was always the art, you know, the artist and writer would talk, the artist would go off and draw the story. And then the pages would be handed into the writer who would do the dialogue and the thought bubbles and the little narrative boxes. Um, That was always what they used to call the Marvel method. Now, um, one story I remember is Stan Lee and Jack Kirby were talking about what are they going to do with the Fantastic Four next? And um, somehow the the idea came up like, well, why don't I like fight somebody as powerful as like a god? You know, not Thor or Odin, but like a force of nature in the universe. And um, 
Kirby said, okay, you know, let me see what I can do. And went to his drawing board, smoking his cigar and hunched over and scribbling away. And he came up with the Galactus story. He came up with the Silver Surfer, um, made the Watcher a much more prominent figure, and Galactus. And then he brought the pages back to Stanley, and Stanley made some changes, but wrote the, the dialogue and the story. Um, so the voice we hear from the thing, from Reed Richards, from Johnny Storm, it's Stanley that gave him that voice. Um, however, the look, the expressions, the movement, the body style, that all came from the artist. So I think it's a collaborative effort between both of them. However, Ditko and Kirby, uh, they didn't want to be out front in the spotlight. They were happy. They were working in the background, doing that and doing incredible legendary work that they did. Uh, Stanley, let's face it, Stanley always came off as a bit of a show off, as a showman. So, of course, he went out there and he grabbed the credit. That's why we saw on every Marvel front page, you know, Stanley presents. You know, eventually that was changed where they actually gave the tagline created by Stanley and Steve Ditko, created by Stanley and Jack Kirby, created by Jack Kirby, created by Stan, uh, Steve Ditko. Um, but the thing was, Marvel was go starting to go through gro growth, spurt, growth spurt. And as it started to go through with that, Stanley started becoming bigger and bigger, more of a celebrity, more of the face of Marvel. And I think it got to his head. And I think you had resentment that started growing between Stan Lee and his artists. And that collaborative effort eventually broke down um, where they had flat out disagreements. Um, with Steve Ditko, I remember hearing it as being the story of... Uh, Ditko created the Green Goblin. He had they had this little mystery going up until the reveal in issue 39. And Stan was like, hey, you know what? The Green Goblin's gonna be. And Steve Ditko was like, no, it's not. It's supposed to be this person. And they disagreed, had a falling out, and that's when John Romita was brought in. And he went, he became the regular artist on Spider-Man for 39 and 40. Um, and then onwards. Um, as it, I did a little reading in it before we went on the air, and it sounds like like the relationship between Ditko and Lee was already disintegrating at that point, and um, it got to the point they weren't talking; uh, they were handing papers back and forth through Stan's assistant, and eventually Ditko just said, "You know what." Stan doesn't want to talk to me. I quit because how could you collaborate when people aren't talking? So, so he, he didn't do anything after that, after Spider-Man. He went, he went back to work for a, a company. 
there was a company, Carl, Carlton, Charlton, uh, that he worked for before he joined Atlas, which turned into Marvel. And I believe he went back to Charlton, but eventually they shut down. Um, so he did some work at DC, the same way Kirby left and went to DC. Oh, so he did. So I didn't know that Ditko went to DC. Yeah, Ditko was, um, and here is, you'll see his name pop up because uh, what he worked on for DC was the Blue Beetle, hmm. which is hmm. now coming up to be a DCU release. Is it still, or did it get? Come no, on. yeah, Gunn made it a DCU release. Okay, all right. So you'll see Ditko's name on screen soon. Um, you know, and uh, he did some work at DC, and he did some other work. Uh, I remember he did come back to Marvel for a couple of projects, but um, after he left Spider-Man, he never went back to Spider-Man or Doctor Strange again. Oh, wow. Once he was done with them, I guess he's like, nope, I, I, I was let go on Spider-Man, so I'm never going back to it. So um, maybe he was a little a bit prideful, too. Um, must be worth a lot of money, a uh, Steve Ditko autograph Spider-Man book. Mm, I'm sure. But like I said, Stan Lee was a showman. I don't think... It was as bad as Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Um, but yeah, Stanley Stanley just loved being out front. And the other guys, as Stanley's pop fame grew, um, their resentment grew and it just destroyed the working relationship. Well, yeah, I mean, that's too bad. Like again, I wasn't sure. I mean, you kind of cleared it up a little bit more for me. Um, but then I was kind of concerned. It's like, I didn't want to, I always admire the guy. I didn't want to think of him as a bad guy, you know, trying to take all the credit for, things, you, know, but, you know, I don't, I don't think, no, but you, I, don't you know, you kinda, any, I don't think there's a villain in the Marvel story. I, I don't think it's as yeah. bad as, you know, uh, Bob Kane was really a, he, he was not a nice guy. I don't think Stan Lee was at that level, but um, you know, you ever, see that, is. Did you ever see that documentary on Hulu, uh, Batman and Bill? No, I, I don't have Hulu. Oh, it's uh, no, it's good. It's all about you know, Bill Finger. It was a very good documentary, and they I think that they finally found his granddaughter or something like that. I think it's his granddaughter and his daughter. And, uh, you know, she she and her family, who were very poor, or maybe, like, maybe not super poor, maybe, like, moderate means, you know, they ended up getting a lot of residuals after that. And uh, DC, I think it was Batman v Superman was the first one that acknowledged that Bill Finger was the co-creator of Batman. Huh. But I also found it interesting that... Uh, that Bob Kane confessed everything before he died. You know, like there's a, a recording out there of him saying that, you know, he made a mistake and that he shouldn't have said all the things, uh, you, you know, taken all the credit because Bill Finger did, uh, you know, he, he <laughs> basically, I guess Bob Kane came up with the name Batman 
and maybe Bruce Wayne, you know, uh, but Bill Finger did everything else. Yeah, he he was the guy who came up with the Batcave, the Batmobile, the costume, uh, yeah, Gotham the, City, uh, Joker. Yeah, but here here's the thing. Also, the same thing with uh, Steve Ditko. Um, well, Stan Lee. Uh, there's a story about how he gave Kirby the first crack at it, um, but Kirby's. Kirby's Spider-Man was more of your typical superhero. You know, he was kind of older. He had it together, you know, and Stan Lee, he's like, no, I'm looking for a kid who has bad luck that teenagers could relate to. You know, teenagers can't relate to Superman. He's bigger than life. You know, this is, I want... I want a superhero that kids could see themselves becoming, you know, and Ditko came up with that, you know, with Spider-Man. Okay. Well, why don't we make him, you know, able to stick to walls and he's got webs on his costume and, you know, Ditko came up with the design. Um, but during the Marvel methodology, when you want to look at it, um, Ditko basically created uh, Spider-Man's role gallery. He created Dr. Octopus, Electro, Sandman, uh, the Vulture. Those all came out of Ditko, you know, during the Marvel method, you know, I, which is why you see a definite, a definite trend of Spider-Man has all these kind of animal type villains you know, Kirby hmm. was more sci-fi-ish, which is why you had more aliens and uh, cosmic figures and stuff and scientists. You know, that was Kirby's trend. Ditko was more of like, yeah, let's make a vulture man, a bird man, an octopus guy, you know. So you, you can see by looking at the rogues galleries what each of these guys kind of went towards in their creative design making. Um, I, I had sorry. a few, uh, I had a few giant size Spider-Man comic books, like the really big ones. Yeah. The know. treasury editions. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure they had a lot of Ditka stuff in there. Do you, you remember this one comic where it had Spider-Man? He went in a cave and the green goblin was there. And the Hulk was sleeping there and they woke him up. Yes. <laughs> yes, that was um, Amazing Spider-Man 14. Oh, Jesus. You're, you're too good, Jack. But no, I, well, I mean, those early days, I remember those initial stories. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, that was funny. And, you know, the, what was it? Like the Green Goblin throws a smoke bomb, you know. And Spider-Man's there looking at the cloud, and he's like, I could see somebody in there. Wait, he's not that big. And then the Hulk pops out, and Spider-Man's like, holy crap! <laughs> yeah, and then Spider-Man was, like, hanging on the ceiling. <laughs> you know? I remember that vividly so much, because I read it so much, you know, because it's just, yeah, part of it was the art, and it's like, Spider-Man and the Hulk and the Green Goblin? Wow. 
<laughs> well, another story they had in the Treasury edition was, and you probably remember, when Spider-Man goes to the psychologist and he gets hypnotized, so he's he's going through all this stuff in his head, and uh, he's really tripping out. All sorts of crazy stuff's happening, where he wakes up and like the room is upside down, and everything is weird. And it's like his psychologist was Mysterio in disguise. Oh, yeah, so, I, I do remember that, yeah. You know, but, like, once again, Ditko went nuts with that. It was, like, it, it was just a wild issue to read. And, uh, you know, let's not, I mean, the stuff he did on Doctor Strange was just <laughs> weird, out-of-this-world stuff. Yeah, I told you, I, I can never get into Doctor Strange even though I collected him, I just used to like to look at the art. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like all these like planets in the background that are dripping, yeah. you know, or these weird bridges going from going to nowhere. I mean, you know, you had stuff like that. And, and of course, Ditko's uh, scene of, what was it? Amazing Spider-Man was it 33 when he's trapped under the garb the wreckage and he's kind of talking about you know he's like oh i'm trapped is this is the end no it can't be the end i have too many people relying on me you yeah. know and it was like the marvel method was stan lee was like okay steve just draw spider-man he's trapped under a bunch of rubble you know and here it is ditko comes back with like four pages that have gone down in comic book history as you know pure character development to show the stuff that spider-man is made of what makes him a hero i mean this is this is the stuff that kirby and ditko came up with stanley gave the characters a voice but the situations and the stories were came up by the guys drawing them and I, I think those two deserve as much credit as Stan Lee in the whole creation of the Marvel Universe. Well, so maybe, I'm glad to see they're getting credit. Yeah, now. maybe Disney Plus will do a series on them one day. It probably would. I mean, that would be hard, though. I don't know. But, well, I mean, it, it would be hard to capture the creative process those guys had to come up with that stuff that i that i think would be amazing um but that's something that they would have to write about themselves i don't think anybody else could write that for them or I, I would love for them to do something on alex ross but they may have even done something and i just never seen it you know like uh, he's written books showing like how he comes with the ideas of the characters and all that but I would just like to see that. I mean, he gets credit, but I feel like he deserves so much more credit just by how beautiful his images are. Put oh, he does some incredible stuff. Yeah. I mean, one thing of his I would love to get a, a, a big print of is that um, he did a mock-up of the Spider-Man versus Superman treasury yeah. edition and i've never found a print of it bigger than 
eight by eleven. But like that's something I would I would love that like twenty six by twenty four by thirty six print. It would be like boom right there above my computer monitor, you know. That is an iconic cover. <laughs> that, that was a great cover, and like I said, the image he did of it, friggin' gorgeous. I probably told this story on here recently, but I remember when I was a little kid, I used to go into like the like the soda fountain stores to get my comic books and there wasn't that much there, you know, like there was a, maybe two racks that spun around, you know? And, uh, I feel like, and I knew that they were advertising Spider-Man versus Superman in the comics. And I was like, Superman from DC and Spider-Man from Marvel in the same comic what world am I living in? It's like, how can I get this? And, and it's huge. It's not a regular even, comic. It's huge. And I just was like, there's no way I'm ever going to get this. I just know it's never going to come to any place that I go to. And I, every week I would go into a store looking to see if that somehow was there. And then one day I went in and it was there. And I was like, I, I was in awe, shock. In fact, Oh, I'm going to hate you. <laughs> Hold on. You you have the original? It's right there. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, you can't see it. I just saw it on video. The things you find when you move and unpack. No, mine was all messed up. No, I mean, this, has some, this has some serious wear on it. And the pages are tanned, but uh, I don't have the the chipping from the old newspaper print on it, so it's still not too bad a shape. No, again, but, I, that's that's just such an awesome cover. Yeah, it's an iconic cover. The story is not that great, though. <laughs> you know, the story is your typical nineteen seventies comic book writing. You know, yes. Yeah, but I just love that cover. Good Lord. As a gorgeous cover. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this baby up. So, All right. Uh, Jack, where can people find you? You can always send me email, hate mail, fan mail at jackm at wdwnt.com. And if you want, you can email me at joe at wdwnt.com or send me a friend request on Facebook. Also, look for me on Rusted Junk, the 80s movies podcast. What are we doing this week? We're doing a legend. No, that was, that was okay. No, really? I thought you were going to say you liked it. Well, I, I loved the cinematography. I loved the design hmm. and everything. I just don't think the story was all that great. I, I just, I have fond memories of it. Like, I like that better than Labyrinth. Labyrinth. And uh, actually, no, I've never seen Labyrinth. Oh, you should watch that. You know, never seen it just for Jennifer Connelly being in there. Uh, she's kind of cute, but again, she's around our age, wouldn't you say? I mean, now, yeah, well, yeah, well, she looked looked darn good in Top Gun. No, she didn't. uh, I think we we had this argument. I either had it with you or Charles. Her eyebrows were looking funky, man. They were like Groucho Marx eyebrows oh for some reason. Oh, my God. <laughs> Glad she's not Lois Lane. It's like the Gal same Gal. problem. Oh, Gal Gadot. 
She'd be beautiful if she didn't have olive oil arms, you know. And she had hairy armpits, too, if you remember. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that? Like, they had to, like, remove it from No, uh, I don't the remember that Gal Gadot had hairy armpits. She did. Like, when she was Wonder Woman, like, in the trailers, people noticed that she had hairy armpits. So they had to redo the trailer and, and digitally remove the hair from her armpits. Okay. I don't I don't remember that, but okay. All right. Anyway, uh, Joe, if if you like this programming, yeah. uh, what can you do to support things? Yeah, you can check out WDW News Today, Disneyland News Today, as well as Universal Parks News Today for all your Disney and Universal news. And finally, if you like our show and enjoy other WDWNT podcasts and like to become a Patreon supporter, please visit the WDWNT Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash WDWNT. So with that, this will be the end of WDWNT Nerd Alert Season 9, Episode 25. So until next time, see y'all. Good night, all. Be good to each other. And Fedra, I hope you're having a great time on open mic night. Yeah, sing away, lady. (laughs) 